0: Welcome to Riches in Christ Radio Ministry with Diane Kennedy. Please stay tuned at the end of today's lesson. We'll give you information on how you can acquire this week's tape, along with information about our weekly meetings and website. Now, here's Diane Kennedy.
1: This week, we're talking about the reason we have hope. It's part of a larger discussion we've been working on for several months about knowing the hope to which God has called us. And for the past couple weeks, we've been focusing on the fact that there's a lot of turmoil in our country, political and social turmoil, and there's a lot of worry and angst and fear amongst people over what's going on. And we're trying to look to the Bible to see how we need to respond to all this. Times are going to grow increasingly difficult as the return of Jesus Christ nears, and we have to learn how to look at what's going on in terms of the big picture so we're not freaked out by what's going on. <coughs> this week we're going to focus on why we have hope. Let me read this verse. This is First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. This is our key passage for this week. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. See, we left off yesterday making the point that times are going to become increasingly difficult, but none of it's bigger than God. And when Jesus was on this earth, he told his followers in Matthew chapter 6, that if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you'll have the necessities of life. You'll have food, clothing, shelter. You'll have what you need to live if you seek first his kingdom. To seek first the kingdom of God means to keep your priorities right. See, when somebody like me says, seek first the kingdom of God, we immediately hear, I have to go to church more. I have to become a missionary in India. I got to double my ties. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about keeping your priorities right. We could do whole lessons on this. You know, the people to whom Jesus first spoke those words, many of them were farmers. And that's, they were farmers before the days of modern machinery farming was an all-consuming job. And if you didn't do it, if your crop didn't come up, it isn't like us today if we plant tomatoes in a pot on the patio and it fails, our crop fails, we starve. No, we don't starve. We can run to schnooks and get some tomatoes. But if their crop didn't come up, they failed. Or if their crop failed, they starved. So to tell them, seek first the kingdom of God, he certainly wasn't telling them, don't work the fields anymore, don't take care of your farm equipment, don't do everything that's necessary to make sure you've got food on the table. No, it can't be that. It means keep your priorities right. The most important thing is not who's in office in our country The most important thing is not which political party controls the government. The most important thing is that people come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you need to remember that, particularly with all the political and social unrest that we're dealing with in our country. And we said, what does that look like in our everyday life? Am I telling you you need to go to church more? Do you need to tithe more? you need to be a missionary? Not at all. I don't have enough time to do what I need to do, and I'm sure you don't either. But here's some simple changes you can make that will help you keep your priorities straight. When you turn on the TV and you hear a distressing news program about some decision an idiot politician made, Remember, that idiot politician is valuable to God. Jesus Christ died for him just as much for you. Jesus Christ died for her just as much for you. And if you get too agitated looking at them and you're hoping for their eternal damnation rather than their eternal salvation, you need to shut that off and you need to get your priorities right. The most important thing is that they come to saving knowledge of Jesus. And instead of cursing them, pray. Pray for their salvation. Ask God to bring labors into their harvest field who can share the gospel with them. Maybe if they got truly born again, they'd see social and political issues just like you, but maybe not. <laughs> I'm being a little silly there, but I think you get my point. Now, let's talk about, oh, oh! I'm sorry, I wanted to make more. Po- one more point. See, here is another way you can seek the kingdom of God. Be ready to give people an answer for the hope you have. And then when you're on the job and somebody asks you, how come you're not scared with everything that's going on in our country? At your lunch break, you can tell them. But if you don't have hope, if you don't know what our hope is, our hope is not the next election and we get our guy in. I'm not saying it's wrong to vote for the people that you think would do the best job and to try to vote out the people that you think don't do a good job. That's not my point. My point is... Our hope is not in the government because the government can't fix what ails mankind. What ails mankind is sin, corruption, and death, and it's supernatural, and it's bigger than taking a pill or receiving a government check or electing the right guy to Congress. We need Jesus to fix what ails the world. I'm getting way ahead of myself here. But if you don't learn to look at life like that, you won't have hope. And so nobody's going to ask you about hope because you don't have it. And here you could have helped advance the kingdom of God, not through becoming a missionary to India, but just by being a light in your little corner of the world. Now, let's review just a little bit. Last week we, dis- we discussed the fact that at the root of most, if not all, fears is the fear of death. See, there's all kinds of fear in people because of the turmoil. M- many people are afraid because they're not happy with recent election results. Um, many people are afraid because although they're happy with recent election results, they're afraid the people who aren't happy about it are going to do something potentially catastrophic. Everywhere you look, there's people who are afraid. So last week, we we talked about the fact that the root of most, if not all, fears is fear of death. If the economy goes south, you can't feed your family. And if you can't buy food, if you can't find a place to get food, you starve to death. But death is not bigger than God. He has conquered death. Therefore, we have hope. Now, let's review briefly and then add some more information. We said last week, death is not part of God's plan, nor is it his will. Death is present in creation because of sin. God did not create any living being to die. God told Adam, Genesis 2.17, if you disobey me, you will die. After Adam and Eve ate from the forbidden tree, God told them, because of what you've done, you're going back into the dust. Your body came out of the dust and it's going back into the dust. At physical death, the outward man and the inward man separate. The outward man is the physical body. The inward man is made up of spirit and soul. The body returns to dust, and the inward man passes into another dimension, either heaven or hell. Human beings retain their appearance and identity and are fully conscious when they're separated from their body. We discussed that in great detail last week. The Bible supports that. There's no such thing as soul sleep. You look like you. When you leave your physical body, you just don't have any trace of old age or corruption in you anymore. You remember your past life, your friends, your family. You're fully cognizant of the fact that you're in heaven or you're in hell, depending on what you do with Jesus. Now, we further made the point that God did not intend us to be disembodied spirits living in a material world. Everybody in heaven right now, including my mother, my father, and several of my very close friends, are disembodied spirits. They are spirits, spirit beings who are separated from their physical body, and they live in an immaterial world. But God didn't make us for that. He gave us a physical body to live in a physical material world. And his plan of salvation or redemption includes restoration to physical life. Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago to deliver us from death and the fear of death by abolishing it along with its root cause. Hebrews 9.26 says, Jesus came once at the end of this age to put away or abolish sin by the sacrifice of himself. Hebrews 2.14 and 15 says, he took on flesh so that he could join us in death, bring us through death and out of death and break the power of death over us and deliver us from fear of death at the cross jesus joined us in death to bring us out of death he was the first human being to come out of death permanently through resurrection death has been conquered his resurrection is the guarantee that all of our bodies will be raised from the dead 1 corinthians 15:20 20 through 23 calls him The first fruits. The first fruits is the first of the harvest, and it guarantees that the rest of the harvest will come in. Resurrection of the dead is the reuniting of the inward man and the outward man, which were separated at death. Now, we made the point last week, there's no such thing as soul sleep. Physical death is called sleep, not because there's something called soul sleep, but because physical death is a temporary condition. Our bodies wake up out of it at the resurrection of the dead. We've been in heaven the whole time, but our bodies wake up out of death. Just like you wake up out of sleep because sleep is temporary, physical death is temporary. If you're born again, if your spirit has been regenerated by eternal life, then your body will be restored to life on this earth. This inward change is the guarantee or the earnest of what is ahead. Do you know what earnest money is? It's it's money you put down to show that you're serious. The Holy Spirit in us, the life of God in us is the earnest or the the promise that the rest of the harvest will come in, that your body will be restored to life. When Jesus celebrated what you and I call the Last Supper, the night before he went to the cross, he used the bread and wine to illustrate a number of points about he, about what he was going to do. Now there's a lot of points we're not going to discuss cuz you're familiar with them but I want I want to point out something Paul said. Now Paul was not present at the last supper cuz he wasn't a believer or a follower of Christ at that point. He later was directly taught the gospel he preached by Jesus Christ. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 through 26 he said that in communion we show the Lord's death until he comes. To show there means to proclaim tell openly. When Paul refers to Jesus' death, it automatically presumes a resurrection because that was the plan all along. If he's not raised, we're still in our sins, 1 Corinthians fifteen seventeen says. But every time you celebrate communion, in addition to remembering his body was broken and his blood was shed for you, you need to remember that's a pledge that I'll come again. I'll come again. My resurrection is the promise, is the first fruits of the fact that your body's coming up out of the grave as well, and you'll be reunited with it to return to this earth to live forever, life as it was always meant to be. More tomorrow.
0: You've been listening to Diane Kennedy of Riches in Christ. To order this week's teaching on CD, be ready for our number coming up soon. Diane teaches locally every Friday night at 7.30 p.m. near Highway 44 in Jameson at 4720 Jameson. Praise and worship is provided by Mercy's Child before each lesson. Riches in Christ provides a website at www.richesinchrist.com where you can listen to this week's radio lesson, download years of teachings and outlines, sign up for free weekly outlines, and order Diane's book, God is Good and Good Means Good. Friends, Knowing that God is good is the single most important thing to stand on when trouble hits. If you think the trouble comes from or is allowed by God, then you need this book. For information or to order this week's lesson on CD, call us at 1-888-739-6619. Please mention today's date. Our number again is 1-888-739-6619. 19.